Welcome everybody to Around the ACL. Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Wally Kassler. And we are in for another exciting episode. We're going to talk about Open number 10 in Mesa. We're going to talk about the second Open in Canada and a bunch of other fun stuff to do in between. Trey, I know you were out in the sun. Wally, you were in the cold. I was chilling on the couch. So it's a beautiful thing. Uh, but Trey, how was your weekend? That was good. I had a chance to go. Um, we did an activation and kind of had some cornhole boards and pro players out in the fan zone of the uh, Ambetter 400 out at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So it's actually my first time experiencing a NASCAR event in person, which was kind of cool. And then we also got to interact with a bunch of fans and had some fun. And it was, uh, you know, I was I was out there all day in the sun and it was it was fun. Um, but it was it was a good time. Yeah, it was uh, a chance to kind of showcase cornhole to a crowd that is kind of similar to cornhole and yet a little bit different at the same time like there's a lot of overlap with the nascar crowd and i you know it becomes more and more popular cornhole has become more and more popular so that like people walk up to you like oh i've seen you guys like i had some guy come up to you i saw you on tiktok last week and i was like okay mm. well, that's that's, that's kind of scary yeah but, espn um, no tiktok that's where yeah, i like the nascar crew was <laughs> yeah. on tiktok i would not have thought that no yeah, no prediction yeah. there Hot take. Yeah, so it was it was good. Blaine Rozier was out there. Katie Matthews, two pros. They 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 did a really good job. So it was it was it was cool being out there and maybe be back in the in the fall. So that 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 took my entire weekend. I drove up Friday four or drove down Friday four hours. Drove back Sunday night four hours. That was that was my whole weekend. All right, Wally, how was it in uh, good old Canada? Yeah, I don't think I saw the sun up there once. Actually, it was cold. Uh, it was kind of in like in between rain and like mistiness you know it was it was as typical canine fashion i was unprepared for the french speaking mm. uh, so yeah so i wasn't aware that it was gonna be so heavily french where i was at so i went to mcdonald's tried ordering a chicken wrap and i guess through the language barrier i ended up getting a blt a double blt which is burger lettuce tomato so that was kind of interesting the lady came out Wait, and burger was, not bacon yeah burger like burger lettuce tomatoes they're BLT. not just a burger <laughs> so yeah. confused so, so the receipt said double blt so anyway like they can you pull over to the stall number two and i'm like yeah okay so i go over there stall number two lady comes out and offers my food to this other car he's like no it's not mine then she turns to me and she's like, shoo, 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 shoo. I was like, yeah, just give me that bag. I'm leaving. I'm dipping out. So, so yeah, yes, I was I was fun. living on DoorDash the entire weekend, just being oh my goodness. You know, being there. Yeah, I, it, it was fun. I'm curious though, if you did know, what was your preparation? Were you about to go learn French? I would love to know. <laughs> no. well, actually, Alain reached out to me. She said that uh, you know, she was gonna try and teach me French whenever we were up there a little bit. And um, she wanted to have me on the Quebec live feeds. And I said, oh, yeah, we'll see if that'll happen. And then uh, I was at least hoping to survive with some menu items that I could have ordered from. But for the most part, it wasn't as terrible as that. I, I adjusted properly, went to some restaurants and they had, you know, credit to them, some English menus and then some French menus and stuff. So it wasn't as terrible as day one. But day one was a culture shock for me. That's what I've heard. I mean, it, it was the same thing in Paris. So I guess it's like French speaking areas are just like mm -hmm. super prideful in speaking French. And like, that's, that's what it, I mean, when I when I went to Paris, like, I had never been to Europe before, but everybody told me, you go anywhere in Europe, you can just talk in English, except in France. And I was like, well, I'm in France. I'm in France. So like, how is that going to help me? I like. Um, 
So I had to, I learned just a couple phrases and a lot of pointing, like yep. a lot of Google translate. So, um, yeah, can't do much, that in a drive through. I would say probably 90% of the players that spoke French though also spoke English of some form. So mm-hmm. it wasn't that hard interacting with the players, got to meet a lot of great people, hung out, um, it, it like their playlists on their music though is almost like a decade behind. So I don't know if it takes longer for like the newer music to translate up to Canada or not. But um, we went to a bar across the street after day one and we we're just dancing and grooving, having a good time. And then they wanted to go back day two. And I was like, guys, I'm done. <laughs> I, can't, I can't hang. I, I only get so many of these international trips in me before I just have to have to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, also going on though was the open in Mesa, which had a very different climate. I think it was like 80 degrees there, so a little, a little different. But uh, Corey and Jake were holding it down there on the live stream court. Uh, our winners: singles, Alex Rawls; doubles, Trey Birchfield and Adam Hisner; women's, Linda Peralta; seniors, Florentino Mendoza; and juniors, Jake Gore. Uh, so great cornhole going on there, Trey. What stuck out to you? Yeah, there was there was a lot of great stuff from this weekend. Um, when when we talk about you know just the open in general, I mean obviously we had uh, I guess when we start on singles and doubles, just like you know Alex Rawls winning singles and and Trey Birchfield and Adam Hisner winning doubles. Like I have so many thoughts on both of those just out of the gate before even talking about anybody else. Right. First of all, like how about Adam Hisner and Trey Birchfield? Like legitimately, we're talking about a team now that is not a fluke. I mean, we're talking about a team that has shown time and time again that they're going to go against a group in a field of the best players in the world, and they're going to finish out on top. So when I look at, you know, just over a month from now, when we start getting into this pro season, Trey Birchfield and Adam Hisner are no longer a team that we're talking about. Do they have what they have, what they used to have? It's, this is a team that you're expecting to be a, a final four team. You're expecting them to make a broadcast court right out of the gate. And the only thing negative that you can say about Birchfield and Hisner right now is that are they perhaps peaking a month or two too early? Like, would you love to see this in a month or two times? But at the same time, I, I think it's incredible. I look at the statistics for Adam Hisner and he's flat out beating the hell out of people. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to put it. Adam Hisner has been unbelievable. I look at the, you know, the DPR, uh, from Hisner this past weekend, it's it's over a one. Wow. Um, you t- Trey Birchfield was just uh, just above zero, so he was a positive DPR. But Hisner is doing a lot of work with that with with, with what he's able to manipulate. And I believe they threw Titan Talon 2.0s this past weekend, which is can be a really sticky bag depending on the conditions. So, um, you know, they're just they're just doing a really good job at making people. Um, you know, come up short. And, and like, I watched that entire doubles tournament and every time, you know, someone else really impressive would come on and be like, Oh man, this team is really, really good. Like this team is going to win it all. This team's going to take it all down. And then in the end, it's just Burstfield and Hisner just coming all the way through and taking it all the way down. Um, you know, I, I've just been so impressed with, with watching them in doubles. And I think, you know, they had, I guess they had a little bit of sneaky team chemistry, um, you know, just being, both from Ohio and have played together at some points throughout their career, but they're really starting to put it all together. And, you know, I know he's probably not upset. He's probably happy for him, but Cody Henderson kind of got to be like, well, what, you know, what, what the hell's going on? Like, why can't I, you know, you know, 
Birchfield, you know, being able to come in and take Hister and they've won two open so far. I, I don't know if Hister and Henderson ever won two opens in a single season. So uh, just, just something that, that caught my eye. And then when you look at the all time title race, right? Trey Birchfield now back tied third all time with Mark Richards. I remember, and I think I was leading the conversation here that I thought once Mark Richards patched Trey Birchfield, See you later and never look back. That Mer- Richards was never going to be tied or worse than third ever again. Um, and that's just simply not the case. Birchfield has shown that, especially on the double side, that he still got it. Now, now I have a different level of expectation, though, for Trey Birchfield, now, though, because now it's not, okay, can he be a great player in doubles? It's like, can he find a way to translate that over into singles and make you know, a robot type of run like he's made in the past, right? Because right now it's hard to argue that Trey Birchfield is, you can't be considered one of, if not the greatest doubles player of all time, right? Because he's now won 10 open doubles titles, 10. And I think with like eight different partners or something like that, just outrageous the level of consistency that he's had in that type of format and specifically with doubles, regardless of the partner. And that's just something that really is a credit to him and all the different things that he's been able to accomplish. Um, and then, you know, on the single side, yeah, like uh, I think when we talk about Alex Rawls, um, this was this is about as good of a recovery as you can have from a foot surgery um, and coming out of an injury, right? Uh, I had some doubts. I was, I was one of the ones that said it. And uh, you know, I was dumb for having doubts apparently because the guy has just been unbelievable. I mean, in doubles, you know, everybody was saying he was the best player that entire day in doubles. Now they didn't win like him and Derek Holland came up just a little bit short, right? Still a top five finish, whatever, but he was still the best player on the day. And then when you look over and he goes and wins singles, meanwhile, winning the finals 21-0, didn't even let Gavin Cano score a point in the finals. It took, you know, JBJ looked like he was maybe going to get back-to-back titles by getting a, getting a big win there, but Rawls just able to power through and his manipulation around bags and that roll bag and how he's been able to continue to build off of that and just being in and around the hole. Um, he's not doing anything super fancy. I don't watch him and go, man, this guy's one of the best shooters I've ever seen. He's just a guy that's going to put bags where they need to be. Um, overall, I just think it shows me, and if we were to do top 10 rankings today, which um, we're not going to, but he would be back at number two for me. He, I would actually put Tony Smith down a peg right now and put Rawls back into that number two spot because he's shown back-to-back, and I say back in that spot. I've actually never had him at number two, but he should be at number two because he's finished second in the pro standings in back-to-back seasons. And then all he's done since then is continue to show of how good of a player that he is, right? I still believe, you know, we're not seeing Mark Richards playing every single open, but I still believe Mark Richards is the best player in the world. But Alex Rawls deserves that number two spot more so than Tony Smith, who has just come up a little bit short. Now, of course, Tony Smith had the shot of the weekend, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But um, yeah, uh, you know, we'll talk about him in a little bit. But, you know, Tony Smith hasn't been as consistent in that regards, you know, I got to drop him from two to three or something along those lines because Alex Rawls has just been so, so good uh, over the short term. 
um, and, and a player that is is peaking at the right time to get even more titles when you start talking about um, getting this 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 pro season uh, going. So um, a lot of great, you know, a lot of great things. I mean, we could talk about a lot of, lot of I, I was good to see Eddie and Caleb get back to kind of winning form. And I think, I think Caleb, I mean, I think Eddie may have been better at times than, than Caleb Batson this weekend. And that's what I needed to see. And although Eddie Grindersleeve and Caleb Batson aren't yet right back where they need to be at first, second, third, they're very close. And that's good enough. For, and, and I can feel much more comfortable about them going into the pro season. We saw some other Texas teams have some really strong finishes. Um, Rawls and Holland still, still really, really good. Um, you know, and, and shout out Gavin Hammond and Jackson Remick, the amateur duo, the college boys are soon to be college boys continuing to ride some momentum and they didn't have great singles finishes, but in doubles, uh, really showing that they can be a dynamic team that, that gives a lot of people fit. So, uh, but yeah, Alex Rawls stole the weekend. Okay. He did, and he said he's not 100% yet. He's still kind of limping. So, I mean, that's well, pretty crazy. Well, they don't get to 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stay yeah, yeah, stay where you are. Somebody hit him in the foot if he starts feeling too good. <laughs> <laughs> Trey said it. Trey, I want to ask you something real quick because when we made our top ten list, it just came out while we were while I was in Canada last week, and I had a lot of feedback. A lot of people private messaged me telling me I'm I'm drunk or I made a mistake in my list or something like that. But how much do you factor in actually winning tournaments? Because players like Tony Smith and Devin Hardball, those are players who go deep and they are beyond phenomenally talented, but they just can't finish. So um, that's why I kind of leaned heavily towards who's actually winning in my standings and my rankings. Yeah, if someone is consistently being, I think, I don't do this exactly like a calculation per se, but for me, if someone wins a tournament and someone finishes top three for probably two or three tournaments, I view those about equally, right? Because there is something to be said about getting across the finish line in first place. That There, there is value to that. Yeah. I don't care if you lost 21-20 you were able to get over that mental barrier to score that one additional point. And that to me is worth a lot in my ranking. So I factor that, but I also can't discount someone because you could only have a certain number of winners, right? So uh, to answer your question, Wally, in general, if someone came out of nowhere and won the singles event and then the rest of, you know, two, three months didn't do anything, Versus someone that was consistently first, second, third. A good example of this may be someone like a Logan Chamberlain versus a Gavin Cano. Logan Chamberlain wins an open. He shows on any particular day he is the best. So naturally, I would want to rank him ahead of Gavin unless Gavin is consistently showing multiple top five finishes. And that's exactly what Gavin yeah. has done. I believe he's had four now top five finishes at these opens. And for to me, that's enough consistency to propel him and allow him to be higher ranked than a Logan Chamberlain in my personal rankings. Yeah, that's kind of the way I looked at it as well. I mean, Ryan Wiedenfeld was one of mine that I had on my list, and people are like, why is Ryan on your list? I'm like, he's won, what, three of his brackets so far this season? And and that's, that's more than I can say for Tony Smith. Yeah. So I had to have him on there. Yeah, Tony Smith. I'm almost. Um, he's uh, Tony Smith is almost falling in, and, and falling is a bad word. Yeah, I'm placing him in the Jamie Graham category, right. where it's like, I'm almost. I almost don't even care right now about Tony Smith. I don't yeah. care pro about Jamie pro Graham. Pro season entirely different. That's when I want to see Tony Smith and Jamie Graham. 
Uh, yeah, it, the, the, it, even it put Matt Guy in there too. People that have consistently over the years shown that they're going to deliver when it matters. So yeah. we're, we're not at the point yet where we're at the pro season. Now, if we get through the first two pro events and I still don't see Tony Smith finishing well, I still don't have Jamie Graham up there, I don't have Matt Guy winning tournaments, ooh, yeah, then, then we can start getting worried. But there's something about you know being able to flip that switch for some players and, and when it really matters, they show up. I totally agree. Uh, Wally, I know you didn't get to catch much of it as you're running a court of your own, but anything to add before we move on to the top 10? Yeah, I think I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what he said. The, the teams that I had no expectations on whatsoever with Adam and Trey, they are just, they're killing it. Um, I, I really looked at that pairing in the off season and I shook my head. At it. I didn't like it. And just goes to show you, we have no idea what we're talking about up here with these microphones in front of our faces because the players are going to do what the players are going to do. Um, same thing with Alex Rawls. I I was worried about the surgery. Him and Derek both had surgeries. I figured it would take them five, six months after surgery to get back into it. And it's just it just goes to show you how easy it is to pick up a bag and just become great again, Trey. So it's given me hope in a way that I can become no, I was back like, to does my. Does that mean for all of us? Because I don't think that's true. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> go back to my 8.0 ways here any day now. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's impressive what they're able to do, um, overcoming the obstacles that they had to get there. And then one standout for me was Gavin Cano, just um, again continuing to find himself in championship matches. He messaged me, said, "Hey man, sorry, I'll finish one day." I said, "Bro, you know how hard it is just to get there, and the fact that you know you're getting beat is, you know, yes, it sucks. It's the last memory you have on you." But getting there to that point again and again and again with it doesn't matter who your doubles partner is and you're doing it in singles. That's one thing that I think no other player is really doing this year other than maybe Mark Richards is getting there in singles and doubles. So an impressive weekend for Gavin for me. Absolutely. Speaking of the Mesa uh, Open, we are going to go through our top 10 highlights. Uh, Wally, this might be the first time you're seeing some of these since you yeah, did a quick busy. run through, but uh, <laughs> it looks like it was just a lot of airmail drags this weekend. So um, shout out to Corey for taking all the heat last week. And in, in his defense, I had my own top 10 <laughs> that I sent in. So I sounded like I was along the lines with you guys. But all right. Number 10 on the list. Roy Ball is Roy Baggin as he hits a level three flop right over the top on the ACL logo goes in. So new throw there able to execute the shots without any worries whatsoever. So there you go. Yeah, Chris, he was – I, I like the new form. I think the yes. new form is cleaner, crisper, it works. And he had a couple of those really long rolls all weekend. So Yeah, and it, it's like his windup is really, really slow. So the ability to get that much power to roll over a deep roll like that, that is actually hard. Very the snake impressive. is dead, but it's working. <laughs> snake is dead <laughs> it's, just, it's just a garden snake now aj sims good to see my man throwing well um he just decides to take everything here cleaning up the aisle making it nice and smooth for him to get points big push there from aj sims with a four bags in one shot i'm waiting for nasty AJ's... if he just went out yeah uh, i was gonna say, waiting for aj's breakout moment i mean we all know he can you know shoot and all that but like when's he gonna be there in a bracket finish I, he's due yeah, and in doubles, like him and him and Braden Wilson looked good this weekend. I mean, they yeah, they looked good. really good. Like that was, um, you you heard me. I said it on multiple times on this show. I was I wasn't necessarily concerned, but I'm like, okay, Braden. Like everybody's been talking about you. Like let's see a finish to back it up. And and I think they took a good step in that direction, Mish, this weekend. Yeah. All right, I was a little disappointed in the highlights last week. I mean, there are way too many good shots, but we had no awkward knuckles last week. So let's go ahead and bring him in here. If I'm making my <laughs> debut, Adam Hissner just going to hold it out there, replacing the, the beard. 
Yeah, for for the stalker as he walks down the other end of the court. That's one thing that I'm missing with the camera angles we had last year. That was straight on. We were able to hold on to these awkward knuckles a little bit longer than the side shots. But there you go. Nothing will ever beat Tubby Cobb, and Hunter, Thorne, Hunter Thorne. Just the... <laughs> so bad. One of my all-time so favorite clips. All -time oh. I miss them. I can't wait to get back to open coverage so I can see it. All right, so Levi Haddock, not on my radar at all. Shots like this, boom, instantly on my radar backside, leaving the canine BG. Is that a canine BG? I can't tell. I think it was. Either way, leaving it right there on the hole. Levi Haddock is definitely on my radar. Kid showed out this last weekend. I was impressed. Yeah, really impressed. An amateur that was not on my radar at all. I, I, I literally had never seen his name before. He's not an elite player, I think. Yeah, I think I checked. I don't think he's an elite player either. I don't think he is either. He's a true amateur player just coming out, shown out. Um, now, you know, it, it was the right open to do it, right? We we talked about it last week on Around the ACL. It was the open where someone was got some, some amateur was going to come and mm -hmm. win a bracket. It ends up being Levi. We thought he may go all the way, but just got him kind of a little too much at the end. But he was really impressed. And I, I was Levi. kind of looking at the brackets as I was commentating. Um, like it looked like bracket C was just stacked. Like, bracket C was stupid. Levi ended up taking down his bracket, correct? Yes. But he did it over KB, um, which is very impressive. So, I mean, mm -hmm. the names that he – there wasn't, like, a large field of names, but the names he went through were still impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Number six. All right, number six, Rosie back from surgery. Again, all these players coming back from surgeries and making babies and stuff like that, but Rosie showing. Don't have to worry about her at all. The airmail is still there. Guess the crowd reaction. That's my favorite part of the entire clip is seeing the crowd in the background. I'm glad we put the bleachers there. I want to give a shout-out as well to Linda Peralta taking down women's, um, another amateur player taking down a bracket. Um, proud to see her do that. But, yeah, Rosie, no worries. She'll be okay. Update, Rosie, still good at Cornwall. Yes. <laughs> Put her back in the top 10, Trey. All right. <laughs> Hunter Thorson with the three-bag drag there, going back on the other side, hitting another shot against Gavin Cano and checking the line to make sure he's not stepping across at the same time. Big shot. Oh, no, no. Don't you dare bring that topic up. Yeah. What? Um, <laughs> what yeah, Thorson, Thorson, Thorson was uh, kind of a little bit of break. I think I saw him at an open a few early in the season where he had a nice little run. He has another one here. I wouldn't say necessarily like rookie of the year type of candidate, but someone that like we could be talking about top 75, top 50 by the end of the year if he continues to, to play at this level. Yeah, and I believe Hunter's another Northern player that has kind of similar travers, travel restrictions that people do in the West Coast where it's not as easy for them to get to the places on time. Like, you know, for me, going somewhere nonstop in the middle of the country, living in St. Louis, it's it's easy flight for me. For them, I believe they have to drive a couple of hours to get to an airport, so – it's, it's not as easy for them to travel as many of these opens as it is for us. Number four. Number four, not sure which is better, the shot or the reaction afterwards. But Sammy <laughs> Soto up top gets all three. He's like, I'm nasty. Look <laughs> at what I can himself. do. <laughs> Was that a look of I'm impressed or like, I didn't expect that to work. But <laughs> Either way, it still counts. Yeah, yeah we don't know. I love it. That was uh, It was nasty. Yeah, and then again, airmail drags the theme of this weekend. Justin Burton Jr. with bag on the edge. I think he has to hit this to stay has alive. To Boom, yep. yeah. gets it. We continue to play at least one more round. 
So big shots there from Justin Burton Jr. He looks to be back to form going into the season as well. He, he absolutely does. And that was clutch. Yeah, he had to have that. And it was not on his lane side. So he doesn't even have the angle coming in. That was that was opponent lane side. So he had to come across. It kind of reminded me a little bit almost. It was a little bit more traditional airmail, but of the uh, little Selmeyer airmail drag mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. cha- team's championship right. on uh, two years ago. All right, number two. It doesn't look like he puts that much force into this one, but, man, that bag goes flying <laughs> off the back of the board. The bar of soap there. That is a true bar of soap from Get Alex Rawls. Get your bag Rawls. out of here. <laughs> Big shot. Hunter's bag goes flying. Nothing he can do. Yeah, oh, yeah that goodness. was – yeah. That what does Eric call? Like, if you – it almost got two bags. If you get two bags, it's, what, a bottle of shampoo or something like that? Oh, is man. that what Eric calls it? <laughs> I don't know. Misha's told me, yeah, Misha's told me tube lotion is not a thing. So that's a full blown bar of soap right there. <laughs> not a thing. Tube lotion is where it stays on the board. Okay. Jake Trzinski feeling great about himself this moment. Round 33, got the game in hand. And then uh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Tony Smith. We're not going to talk about that bag in front of the board. We're only going to talk about how he has to hit this shot to stay alive. Hits it, doesn't so even stupid. touch Jake's bag. The three people in the background and Jake Trzinski oh is very impressed. Tony yeah, Jake's, Jake's poss- face is great. Yeah, possible shot of the year contender like, right there. That was Definitely. ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> like, I, I, this is what we just need. I just need one of these type of shots on TV. Just give me one. <laughs> oh, get me It'll off happen. the airmail, no drag. Please, <laughs> begging you. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you say about that one, Trey. All right, moving on to buy or sell. The first one, we kind of talked about it. We should not be worried about Rosie Streaker post-surgery. Trey. Uh, buy it. Yeah, I know. I think she's she's good to go. Um, you know, I got to talk with her a good bit in December. She's going through her physical therapy. And even at that time, which is now two months ago, so we're, she's probably even in a completely different position where she was then. It was just about some bags, one-off, weird releases, but consistently she was still down the center. She'll be fine by pro season. She's good to go. Bye. I mean, she's shooting in the nines, so, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, she might want to shoot in the tens, but she's shooting in the nines, so pretty good. Wally? Yeah, I'm going to buy this as well. I think that she's going to be fine. It wasn't as if she was throwing hard rotation roll bags or anything like that she's a finesse thrower she's just going to hit her mark and let the bag do the rest of the work so i think as far as rosie's um concern is going to be it's just calibration she'll get that with repetitions you know post-surgery she'll be back to old form in no time trey birchfield will finish the season with 12 titles Ooh. or more I didn't, normally <laughs> so so just everybody understood for the past two years I've written a lot of these. This now responsibility has gone on to Mish. So I didn't look, I don't get to see these ahead of time now. So I have to really think on the spot on a lot of these now. So um, I, I am going to sell. Um, the reason I'm going to sell is if you had told me at the beginning of the year that Trey Birchfield and Adam Hister would win two titles this year, I would say, wow, that's, that's pretty aggressive, but fine. I can get around it. They've already won those two for them to win again. We're all of a sudden getting in that type of category that we talk about someone kind of having a legendary type season. So I think, I know it's probably feels like a hater to say sell, but I think I have to right now, considering that, you know, he's already, he's already got a good bit. Yeah. I'm going to sell as well. Um, I don't want to, again, sound like a hater, um, but how many doubles events are left? Because he's not doing it in singles. And if Ooh. he doesn't have some money on the other end, 
that can, you know, carry their weight or have their, your a game, then um, I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm going to sell that one as well. And I don't want to discredit the title chase, but I mean, he does have an overwhelming amount of doubles compared to everybody else on that list. So got to get some singles titles for me to be on. Devin Harbaugh has a finishing problem. Man, we keep re- we keep revisiting. I feel this like one, we've done we? this three or four times now. I want to buy it now. I think I kept selling it. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there's something about it. The guy, when you watch him play early in tournaments, there's no way he should lose. Or he's had to have won one by now, right? You're telling me that some of these other guys can win one, but Devin Harbaugh can't win one? Like, recently? Like, I don't know. I I I think there's there's something there now, and it's a little bit worrisome. And so I'm gonna buy it for now. Wally, I would like to hedge, but I know you're not gonna let me. Um, but I'm gonna sell it actually. Uh, Harbaugh took down the singles title in West Wego, and we're going back to West Wego again this year. Same exact building he won in last year. I think he he likes that venue. I think that it's not necessarily Harbaugh can't finish. It's that there's just so many good people out there now. So it's just a matter of rotation, matter of time. I think Harbaugh is going to finish one soon. Alex Rawls will finish number two again this season. Look, I'm going to get, I'm going to sell it for a very cheap reason. And that's because I can find any other number that he's going to be. And is whether or not it's number two is, is irrelevant. I think he can be the number one player. I also think it's very realistic that he finishes number three or number four. Right. Um, I, I think when we get into the heart of the season, we are going to see the best form of Tony Smith, the best form of Mark Richards. And you could argue that JBJ has a year of experience under his belt. We could be talking about him. Rawls is in that category. So um, I think statistically, I'm just going to sell it because I think he ends up one, three, or four rather than number two. But I still would say he's a top five player easily this season. Wally? Yeah, I'm going to sell as well. There's just way too many people that could pass him up. I mean, I think that the rookie class is improved as far as singles games goes over last year. I think that those rookies that we had last year that were just phenomenal are even better this year. I think there's just way too many people that are going to be obstacles in his way to becoming number two this year. And once we get into the pro season, the the competition for these brackets is going to put you through the ringer. So he might not be experiencing any issues now. But there's going to be some stress and then some pain coming as soon as we get into the pro season. There will be more Texas players in the top 10 than Florida players. Oh, that's brutal, Mish. Um, (laughs) There will be more Texas players. I'm going to sell. I think there will either be similar. I think there will either be the same or Florida may end up with one more. When we look at Florida candidates, we're talking about both Rawls brothers because, again, we've all forgotten about Allen over there. Chris Kingsbury, we haven't seen him a lot of, but he finishes second at the World Championships this past year. Of course, Fisher Hamilton, even Cheyenne Bubenheim's got to be in that conversation. There's a number of top players from the state of Florida. On the Texas side, yeah, your core two are, are likely going to be, or I guess you get a core three, you know, Caleb Batson, Justin Burton Jr., um, um, Caleb Batson, Justin Burton Jr., and Gavin Cano are kind of your big three. And then Logan Chamberlain is that fourth. I don't know if there's – I don't know if I can bank on the fact that Texas is definitely going to get three of those and and, and Florida is only going to get two. So I, I'm going to say sell. 
Wally. All right, watch. I'm going to do this. I'm going to sell it because whenever you look at the women's top 10, it's going to be more Florida than Texas top 10 there. So then we combine that with the men's top. Yeah. We combine that with the men's top 10. I think it's going to be more Texas than Florida. But um, if it was only men's or open is what you're asking me, then I'm going to buy it for Texas. Um, Having more in there just because of the emergence of Gavin Cano, Kayla Batson, Justin Burton, Jr. Logan Chamberlain. Um, That right there is four. So. You guys don't think Sammy Soto can make it up there? Oh gosh, I didn't even I forgot about Sammy Soto. Just gonna discredit him, just toss him aside. In the words of Sammy Soto. In the words of Sammy Soto. (laughs) (laughs) It says it all. That That might change. I'm not gonna change my mind on principle, but I I was not factoring in Sammy Soto. Mm -hmm. That 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 could be enough to sway because he's I mean, the problem a top is, 20 player. The problem is there's 25 top 10 players right now. <laughs> that is the problem. <laughs> that's that's true. And and like every year, there's going to be three people that finish in the top 10 that you would not have pegged to finish yep. in the top 10. You would have fin- pegged them to finish top 25. Yeah. But they're going to sneak in there because they have, you know, there's luck. To, there is some level of luck being in the top 10. I don't care what anybody says. There is a, to- a, a, a level of luck involved there. Um yeah, and I even forgot about like Kyle Malone from you know on the Florida side too. That's another one that's like, yeah, how does he? <laughs> All righty, let's talk about Canada. So Wally's going to help us out with this one. He was there running the court. That was in Drummondville. Our singles winner was Jaden Ellis, and our doubles winners were Jimmy Humans and Jeff Reynolds. So, so all U.S. players there. We also had the Canada Pro singles, which went to Craig Halford, and Canada Pro doubles Connor Weiss and James Finley. So, uh, Wally, tell us all about it. Actually, I was pretty impressed with Canada. Um, You know, I kind of went into it, not really sure what to expect. My last experience with international play was Australia. Um, In Australia, I'd probably say there was five to ten players who had what I think, you know, had what it takes. Um, They just got to worry about knowing when to take the shots and then executing. In Canada, I saw a little bit different. They knew when to take the shots, and they were actually executing. So I'd probably say Canada was probably ten to twenty good players um, some players that stood out to me other than the winners that we'll talk about. Um, Carl Menard, Chris Shire, um, Alain LeSueur did very well. You talked about Lana Smith. She she showed up. She backed up what you had to say. She played very, very well. Paul Aitken, James Finley. These are some players that I had no idea who they were. And then seeing them in person, you know, I kind of left that weekend um, with, you know, with, you know, not just friends, but players that I could actually look forward to and they really come into Worlds. Um, Steve James had <laughs> he's an older gentleman, but he had a lot of fun on the court. I mean, he, that's one thing up there in international play that I'm just jealous of here in the States is we're not getting the crowd interaction and the fun and the banter and stuff like that that they're doing. They're playing their match, but they're still feeding to the crowd. They're basically showmen in so many ways. And I just think it's it's awesome to see that type of, you know, I guess commitment to the game as well as commitment to the sport, you know. They're, they're playing their game, but they're also enjoying the sport and making sure that the crowd is having a fun time along with it. Um, some of the winners and singles, Craig Halford, he, he was very impressive stepping out. Jeremy Shermerhorn and Craig Halford stood out for me because they were able to step out the entire three feet, go slick side down, and bring a bag that I thought was out of play back into the hole. And they didn't do it once or twice. They did it on a repeated basis. So that was very impressive for me. Um, James Finley, very consistent player. Him and Connor Weiss take down doubles. Um, so I kind of knew what to expect out of Brandon Brown, Bernie Pertolesi, Connor Weiss. But those players, they they uh, they showed out for me. Um, a young talent, Gage McMillan, 
Um, he took down juniors, and then the blind draw was Zach Stickney, I think. And I like what I'm seeing out of him. I think he's a year away from possibly contending as that number one Canadian player. He's 17 now. If he continues to improve with his game for the next year, I think he could be Canadian's top player. Interesting. So who I was, I, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to watch a ton because one, I was working an event and then two, I was watching the other, watching the open here in the States when I could, but you know, I, I saw Craig, you know, I see Craig Halford wins Canada pro singles, not a name mm. that I've seen a ton of. Right. I mean, can you like, what was the secret sauce of him winning singles? Was it, I mean, he had style, anything he had the game face. So there were, there were moments where, his opponent, another talented player, he's not a pro, William Titu, was taking him on in the finals. And I would probably say 95% of the crowd was in William Titu's corner. You know, he's he's a, I believe, a French-speaking Quebec, you know, Montreal-type player. And the crowd was heavily in his favor. There were moments where he would just get to the line, look stone-cold killer, and just be able to execute his shots against William Titu. And then Craig... You know, same thing. There's times where Stephen James would crack a joke to Craig and Craig would laugh at it. But then when he's getting ready to throw his bag, he would snap back into serious mode and just be able to execute. So his demeanor, you know, he almost had um, just just the look of a killer in, in his eyes. And he knew what he wanted to do when he hit his shots. After he hit the shots, he was pumped. He was firing himself up. He was fist pumping the air. He was he was excited. So, I mean, he rolled off the adrenaline and uh, that he, he's he's got some pretty good talent. Not afraid to take the shots. A little case of the lefties and righties every now and then where he'll basically take a magnet or a bait bag and just keep putting bags over there. But other than those blow-up rounds, I mean, he was right down the middle and in the hole. So who's the best Canadian player that you saw this weekend? Best don't project. Don't, you don't have to say who's going to be, but like who overall based singles, doubles, open, whatever, was probably the best Canadian player that you watched this weekend? I would probably have to go for consistency purposes. Craig, Craig was the best player this weekend um, because of his push shots and his collects and keeping his demeanor in the situations where it looked like he was down. He was up big in that finals match, like 19 to seven or something like that. And then T2 came all the way back to make it 20 to 19. And like I said, with the crowd heavily in T2's corner him being able to come back and rebound and get those final few shots down the stretch. And there were moments where, it was a risky airmail. You know, if you're off the back, you lose the game. And he he took the shot and hit it. So, okay. I like that. I like seeing that. I still Definitely. think hashtag more airmails. Canada catch up. <laughs> and would you say on the on uh, best woman that is up there, is it Lana? I mean, would, would you say, is there, or, or yeah, I think, else I think as there? far as the women go, there's a few that kind of stood out as impressive. Lana Smith, um, Crystal, terrible with last names. I apologize, Crystal. Um, there was one Ashley Oakley or Amanda Oakley or something like that. She was pretty impressive as well. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing her when I went up there yeah. one time too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's probably four or five ladies that stepped on the radar that probably could fit in with the ACL Pro Division. All right. Good job, Canada. Anything to add, Trey, before we move on? I'm good. All right. We have a bagging and bragging segment we're bringing on. That is the games that Wally and I would play, but we're bringing Trey into it. So our first one is four bagger and floor bagger. So what that is basically is the highlight of the week and the low point of the week. It could be related to cornhole or not. So Trey, what is your four bagger of the week? 
Yeah, so I wanted to stay in the cornhole space but not necessarily go to events. So I'm saying the ACL is launching an officiating program. So bumping up the level of officiating at events. This is really exciting. I've been working with Michael Gonzalez, kind of put this together. He's been really helpful on that front. And, you know, it's going to be an opportunity for people to get more involved with the game and also kind of kind of standardize play. And I think this is something that's been a long time coming and we see all the different stuff out there, but I think this is going to be really good for people to, you know, another way where they can get more involved within the ACL at a high level and also, you know, kind of, uh, you know, take take the game to the next level, especially in like the sports betting space and those type of things. Love it. Wally, yeah, what's opportunity to actually make a difference in the game rather than keyboard just, warrior. It. I like just harp, it. Just Harper out. Yeah. About it. Exactly. All right. Uh, all right. So I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, but my top four bagger was the Canadian open. Um, again, the, the Canada talent, I just went through a bunch of names, so I'm not going to go through it again, but there are a lot of players that weren't on my radar before it. Um, I, again, I wasn't really having too many high expectations going into it. So I was happy to see that they exceeded my expectations as far as their talent level goes. Cool. All right. What's your floor bagger, Jay? Uh, people who make burner accounts on addicted to cornhole. That is, uh, <laughs> that is, that is my absolute floor bagger. Um, <laughs> gosh, we're already making burner accounts here in cornhole. Is that where we are? That um, means we've made it. What do you I mean? Say, I guess that, that that's, means we made that's it. the top so. of the mountain. <laughs> oh gosh. And I, and the thing is people look, I have I have uh, good contacts. I know who most of these burners are. So just keep that in mind when <laughs> You're you not keep fooling anybody. On this. <laughs> oh my gosh, Wally! All right, my floor bagger is going to be the amount of time it takes when traveling internationally. Um, tra- traveling out there again. There's no nonstop flights, so <laughs> I originally scheduled my flight Tuesday because I thought we'd have Wednesday just to do whatever, and then Thursday set up. But no, setup wasn't until Friday. So oh. I literally spent Wednesday just basically binge watching season two of Vikings and taking naps and it just messed me all up. But on the way back home, flying back to St. Louis, I just really lost track of time. I got home about nine 30 last night, went to sleep, woke up about 10. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, boom, we're doing this show. So yeah, I, I need uh, to figure out if I can get my own jet on the ACL budget. No, next it's, year. A, it's a you thing. Well, it really is. I, it's I just a total you thing. Oh, I don't, I don't doubt it at all. I just can't <laughs> sleep. And especially for me, um, like with early morning flights, I'm always afraid I'm going to miss my flight. So I, I lay in bed probably like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And then I toss and turn till three. And at that point I'm like, I'm just going to stay awake till five. I can't, I can't sleep for two hours and you know miss my flight. So I'll stay awake and then the entire first day is just gone. So yeah, my sleep schedule is absolute trash. That's my floor bagger. Um, well, looking to improve in 2024. Traveling for the West Coast, my travel is pretty much like your international travel every time. So yeah. Yeah, I was listening to you guys about that last week as well. And I'm with yeah. Mish on this. You guys harder to go west. It's harder to go west for me. Yeah. No way. Not even close. (laughs) Yes, I understand you get an extra day, but whenever you travel back home, that day that coming back is just the same. It's gone. It's just like your argument for going out there. You know, it's the argument for coming back. It's the day is gone. Everything's ruined. Mm -hmm. Chaos. By the way, 
I have I have an actual floor bagger. If anybody stayed and watched on Sunday when Corey and Jake played against each other on TikTok, Corey threw a floor bagger. I'm like, come on, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? Tell, tell me that was recorded somewhere. It why was isn't, on TikTok. <laughs> why isn't that on the top 10? <laughs> that should have been on the uh, Corey left yeah, the, that out. Actually, my floor bagger should have been their, their TikTok-like uh, accumulation of likes on uh, this past weekend. They <laughs> yeah, they said if they get over 100,000. What were they at? Do you know when they said that? So I put something in there and said, if they get 75,000, this will happen. So they got 75,000 and then they just kept liking. And then in like three minutes, they got to 100,000. And it was like, okay. And then somebody put 200,000, you two will play against each other. And so I look away for a second. I turn back seven minutes later, they have 200,000 likes. I'm like, what is going on? Do they reach the 1.6 million oh, I don't, as far I don't. as viewers go? They were close. I don't think they got all the way to 1.6, but they okay. definitely went. They definitely got some some viral content out of it. <laughs> all right, so it's, it's all about me. I'm the determining factor. The good life feeds got you. Oh man! All right, send it or board it. What do you got, Trey? Uh, outdoor cornhole tournaments. Board. <laughs> send. Board. I send it. Look, I. Everybody always talks about all these outdoor tournaments are so much fun. I spent the entire weekend throwing cornhole outdoors. I don't care if it's windy. It was a great time. We need more outdoor cornhole tournaments, in my in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I'm all about it. I was listening to Jake last week talk about that corn bag tournament. We have a few of them around here that pop <laughs> yeah. up every now and then. Just you know, absolute cheapest way to throw a tournament with some bouncy boards, some corn bags, <laughs> high wind. Dust in your face. I mean, you can't tell me that is not an environment that cornhole is meant to be in. Not to mention Spencer McKenzie, one of the best tournaments of the entire year is held outdoors. So, yes, outdoors. Send it all the way. Disappointed. Just disappointed. (laughs) I'm not mad. Just send it or board it, Wally. All right. Sorry, Trey. My (laughs) send it or board it. Is to uh, would or sorry, invent a time machine and go back to uh, eliminate the foot foul rule. <laughs> <laughs> I abstain from voting in this dumb game. That was mean. Oh man, uh, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't watch it at all, and by the time I was able to get back to the hotel room, I had probably twenty messages. Why don't you guys do this? Why don't you guys do that? And then it's like the commentator should step in and become the official and intervene. I'm like, yeah, because we have nothing else going on. Might as well. <laughs> it's like, well, you guys are already there getting paid. You might as well do something. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you're, we are yeah. lazy. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the talk of the town. But um, yeah, I guess I guess uh, I'll board it. Oh, man. It'll, it'll be okay with what Trey said as far as his four bagger goes. We'll get the officials in there. Everything's going to be right as Randy. If you're one of these people that have a problem with it, do something about it. Would you rather? What you got, Trey? Uh, would you rather play against the director team or the commentary team in Cornhole? <laughs> well, the most of us aren't that good. <laughs> I, I, I didn't say we're all <laughs> fantastic. What? Well, I'm just saying in comparison, the directors that I would assume play more consistently because they're running the events, right? I'm asking the question, Mish. You need to answer it. <laughs> All right. Well, we're running out of time. So uh, I'm going to go. I'd rather play against commentators. Wally, what do you got? I'm going to play against directors because I'm just too good. I can hold us up. 
Oh, yeah, okay. I'm gonna play I like against the directors too. Yeah, <laughs> directors. I don't think they play that much because they're too busy running the brackets. So they're they're behind the computers more. We at least get the down and backs where you can play around with. All right, what you got? Well, all right. Um, would you rather see pros continue to dominate, or would you rather see amateurs kind of step up? We saw Levi and Jaden out in Canada. I like the amateurs. I, I think it's fun. No, I'll take the pros. Give me the pros. I want them to just obliterate everybody and win by a billion. I like the amateurs. Give us hope. Give Give us hope. hope. Holding it down. (laughs) All right. Hot take time. You got a hot take? Uh, Yeah. I'm going to say it's the year of the injury. Uh, Alex Rawls and Rosie Streaker both top five in man and woman of the year standings by the end of the Mm. season. So I know that's not super hot takey, but the idea is coming off of injury. They essentially show that, you know what? I'll say top three. Top three, Ooh, easy okay. on, on those those ballots. Make it spicier, Wally. Isn't there a graphic for this? What's going on here? Dropping the ball. All right, my hot take is Jaden Ellis is not done winning opens this year. He's going to win one more open before we're oh, done. Okay. Wow. All right. Mine is uh, if Jimmy Humans goes to an international event, he will win it. <laughs> Whatever international <laughs> event he goes to, he's winning. <laughs> Whichever one it is. All of them. Yep, just winning them. All right. That's all we got time for. Thanks everyone for joining us. We'll see you next time.